0: Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. All right, well, amen and amen. Got a few more folks who might could help me out today by giving the Lord a hand clap of praise for his goodness and his grace and just his faithfulness. And even today as we come together this morning, uh, we just have a great awareness of, of, of the need for Christ and the need for his presence, you know, in our lives, uh, you know, in our world. Our culture just is just craving uh, the pure love and the goodness and the grace of Christ, and and we just pray that the body of Christ would be truly up uh, for the task of of just letting His light uh, shine through us today. So glad you're here with us again this morning. And today we're going to continue in the message series that we've simply entitled uh, "The Sign." And this all began with a just a really honest exploration of. Of how can we know that Jesus is really who he said that he is. And based on the, uh, the teaching of scripture. And based on history. We see that Jesus gave to the Jewish people. And he gave to us three miracles. Three distinct miracles that were called the, the messianic miracles. Only the, the miracles that the Messiah, the chosen one. Of God would do and Jesus did all of those from healing a person of leprosy casting out a mute demon uh, Healing a person who'd been born blind. He did all of those three Messianic miracles, but there's also one other Sign one other sign. It's called the final the final Messianic sign and something like Jesus was saying to the Jewish leadership and to the people There will be one more sign. In fact, he said, he said, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. But yet there will be one final sign. No sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, the great fish, so will the son of man be in three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then from there, from there, this final messianic sign that we call simply resurrection power. In that statement, in that sign, the sign of Jonah the prophet, three powerful storylines would begin to merge together. The first one is pretty obvious. It's it's the story of Jonah the prophet. And we been exploring how Jonah saw the sign. We also know the very obvious in this. Also, the other very obvious is is Jesus himself being being raised from the dead. But then the third storyline that begins to merge into this is what Jesus would do when he would raise Lazarus from the dead. And that was like one of the the very last miracles that Jesus performed and it was so powerful not just because he has resurrection power but all the circumstances around it is what makes this this last sign so powerful and so incredible so today we're going to begin to look at this great great story of Jesus uh Spoiler alert, Lazarus dies and Jesus raises him from the dead. We're going to look at this, this story and we're going to begin today in John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And today we are going to really approach this with our hearts. Really with our hearts. Today I want you to feel this story and I want you to feel the human emotion around this story I want you to feel the situation I want you to feel the circumstance but I want you to know I want you to know a divine perspective that is at work in all of this John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary to qualify, not Mary the mother of Jesus, but it was the Mary who anointed the Lord's feet. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord's feet feet anointed him with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick next verse verse three so the sisters sent word to him saying Lord behold he whom you love he whom you love is sick but when Jesus heard this he said this sickness is not to end in death, This sickness is, is not to end in death, but you're sitting there going, but, but Brother Allen, you already said that Lazarus dies. How, how does he mean this is not to end in death? Meaning that this, watch this, this sickness, this circumstance of sickness, this situation of sickness, is not to end when we typically think something ends. At death. No he says. This sickness. Is not to end in death. But for the glory of God. So that the son of God. May be glorified. By it. Now here's what happens next. Jesus. Jesus. Loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Look, make no mistake about it. Jesus loved Martha. He loved her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Father, we give you this time to worship you uh, through your word, Lord. And we recognize today that the living word, Jesus, is who we need in every situation and every circumstance of our lives and our world. Father, we thank you for the written word that points to this living word. And today, Father, as we begin to give our hearts and our minds to this story and this great event, Lord, this, this sign, I just pray that you would speak peace and encouragement, wisdom, truth, and love into our lives during this time. And we give this to you as an act of worship, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I'm going to tell you right up front, if this story is about anything. If it is inundated with anything, it is inundated with values. You have tremendous values that are operating and working in this story. You have the great value of love. I mean, when you look at the first six verses of of this story, and, and I'll just tell you up front that John... He devotes like 46 verses. And we know that when John wrote, there weren't verses. But in what we consider to be how the Bible is written, it's laid out for us, 46 verses. An entire chapter is devoted to the details around this sign, this sign of resurrection power. And when you think about John's gospel as a whole... And what he commits to, what he devotes to, what's important to him. I'm telling you, he is devoting a great deal of ink to this one story and all the details around it. There's no way that we'll be able to bring this message in only one. But we're going to make a start today looking at these first six verses But of anything that this story is about. It's about values. And there is a tremendous value of love that actually, I think, dominates the first six verses. Look at this with me, and you tell me if you don't see this taking place in the scripture. So we know that a man is sick. His his name is Lazarus. Lord, Lord, there is a man who is sick. These sisters. Mary and Martha, this is is their brother. They send word to Jesus. He's sick. Not good. You see the value of life. They value life. They value the life of their brother. Not only do they value the life of their brother, but they love their brother, so they send word to Jesus. Now, Bethany was just a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem. Jesus would go there many times to to get a break, uh, to, to get a reprieve from all the other ministry strains and stresses of his life. This was almost like a second home to Jesus. And you see these three people, Mary, Martha and Lazarus playing a very significant role in his life. You see Bethany playing a significant role in his life. And Lazarus, is sick. And they love him. And they value life. So they send word to Jesus about their brother Lazarus. Now, there's another value that is operating here that is many times overlooked. And I would say that many times in our lives or our culture or in our world, this is a value That we don't always factor into situations or circumstances. And this is going to unfold in the text today. It is the value of how God is glorified in our lives. The value of how God is ultimately ultimately glorified in our lives and also in any situation or circumstance. But when you think about love, to get us going here, notice in verse 2 that Mary is specifically identified. This is the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. If you remember that occasion, there, there's actually three anointings in Scripture in fact, I, I tried to text one of my brothers before the message today. just, hey, listen, I want to get these anointings straight in my heart and in my mind. Uh, he didn't reply back, so fortunately I had to look at, unfortunately I had to look it up myself. But anyway, I look back at this, and, and there are three anointings that take place. Most likely, listen to this, the anointing that John is talking about with Mary is the anointing with tears with tears. It's believed that because of her life and maybe things that were going on in her life and, 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 and and even just the moral fabric of her life, that when she found herself in the presence of Christ, she became broken. She knew that she was, listen to me, she knew that she was in the presence, not just the presence of love, but the presence of truth. And so in her tears of weeping, she anoints his feet. And most likely, this is what John is referring to. Now, in John chapter 12, there will be another anointing by Mary. But there's no tears in chapter 12. Why is that? Because it will take place after the resurrection of Lazarus. There she has celebration in her heart. But before that, she has tears in her heart. And Isn't it interesting that you can come to Jesus either way? Either with tears or with celebration. Jesus is the Savior for all occasions. And He is the Savior for all situations and circumstances. But I think it's highlighted here in verse 2. The Mary who anointed Him... Because we can obviously see that Mary loves Jesus. And then from there, and notice in verse three, when they sent word to the Lord, and it's a good possibility that this took some time to get to him. It's not like, and my goodness, I want to walk around. It's, it's not like Mary and Martha could just shoot Jesus a text message. Jesus. Lazarus is sick. Now notice, they don't say, Jesus, will you come? They didn't ask him to come. But when you follow the story, it's implied that he would come. Why is that? Because of the value of love. They think, and it's proper to think, that because Jesus loves Lazarus, when he gets the message, he's going to do what? He is going to come immediately. Now, we know in the story that doesn't happen. But at this point in time, when they send word to him, the sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, what's this? He whom you love is sick. It's not like they say, Jesus, Lazarus is sick please come no jesus the one whom you love is sick and it's implied that they would expect him to come and to come how or to come when to come immediately Because they're probably probably thinking, oh my gosh, our, our brother is sick. Maybe he doesn't have much time. It takes time for them to send the messenger. Again, this is not like they can shoot a text message to him. So it takes time, maybe a day, for word to even get to him. But they imply in the message, because Jesus loves him, that's the forefront of what they say, the one whom you love. As if they would have to remind him. He's sick. Here's something else that you see in this text about the value of love. When Jesus heard this. He said, this is verse 4. He said, this sickness is not to end in death. But for the glory of God. Now here's the deal. He doesn't say this to the sisters. Because they're not there. They sent word, so they don't know, at this point, what Jesus is thinking. Have you ever sent a text message to somebody, and they, like, left you hanging? Like, you shoot a text message, or maybe you're having a conversation, you're going back and forth, all of a sudden, it goes cold. And they, like, leave you hanging, and you're like, Okay, what's going on? What the heck's going on here? Okay, "Okay, well, they're ignoring me. How many of y'all have almost panicked because somebody didn't reply to you right away? You know, they might have had to go to the bathroom. I mean, who knows what came up? A kid might have called, hey, mom, come here. And they can't get back to the phone. And you're there what is going on? It goes cold and you're, or red or whatever. You're like, what is going on here? Listen, Mary and Martha, they don't know this. But Jesus says to, who does he say this to? He says it to the disciples. This sickness, while they are there, because you can imagine the disciples, probably when they receive word too, they're like, "Oh Jesus, we need to get going." even though as the story unfolds, they would have great fear about going into Judea. But you can imagine they're like elbowing him saying, "Come on, Jesus, let's go." Lazarus is sick. So when he says this, he says it to those who can hear him. He says it to the disciples. This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now later, another spoiler alert, later in John chapter 11, verse 14, when Jesus finally gets there. Jesus said to them plainly, Well, let me back up. He's not even there yet. Verse 14. He's not even there yet. He hadn't even gotten to Bethany yet. And when it's time to go and get ready to take the disciples in verse 14, he said to them plainly, "Lazarus is dead, and I am glad." Now, can you imagine that being a sermon title today? Uh, Lazarus is dead and I am glad. He said, Lazarus, watch this. Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. So that you may believe. And then he says, But let us go to him. Lazarus is dead, but I am glad for your sakes I was not there so that you would believe. But let us go to him. Now, some of you will be going, but Jesus, at this point, it's too late. It's too late. Why go now? And this is why because of that third value from love to life to the glory of God in any situation and circumstance. God always has the final word. And when God speaks the final word, He can take absolutely anything and be glorified. But don't be sitting here going, oh, that sounds so selfish. No, it's not just God being glorified. But wherever God is glorified, his people are blessed. This is not God being selfish about getting glory. Because we need to understand that wherever God is glorified, his people are blessed. And there is no situation, and there is no circumstance that's over. When we might think it's over. Or it's too late. Or you want to give up. Or you want to quit. Or you want to say... This is dire. This is awful. This is atrocious. It'd be like Jesus saying, I'm made for stuff like this. It's just that Jesus saw a bigger picture unfolding beyond the death of Lazarus in regards to what he would do in the lives of the people he loves. So when you jump back and you jump back to verse four, he says, this sickness is not to end in death before the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus, what's that again? Loved Martha and his sister or her sister and Lazarus again, three, it's like three times love is a motif in this opening section. But notice what happens next. So then, as some of your translations might read, so when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, now some of you would read it like this. The way that we work and the way that we operate when things are tough and things are bad and situations and circumstances are broken, here's how we would have written this if we were John. Go back to verse 5, or let's say right there, verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick, we would write it like this, but when he heard that he was sick. He stayed two days. That's how we would see it. Oh yeah, he loved them, but when he heard that he was sick, but he stayed two days longer, as if staying two days longer was an exception to his love. Like staying two days longer would be in spite of his love. But that's not how it's written. And the reason it's not written that way is because that's not the way it is. When Jesus heard that he was sick. Not in spite of, but in light of his love. Whoa! He stayed two days longer. So if we would write it the way it is. We would say... Jesus stayed two days longer because he loved them. Now, there's a lot of things that are at work and at play here. I mean, there's so many expectations that are going on here. Expectations of Jesus and expectations of how he would operate. Expectations of love and and so many of these expectations expectations, we would say, would be, hey, right on. We would say, these are right on. They they were not, they were not mistaken. They were not mistaken that the presence of Jesus was needed in this situation. They're not mistaken there. They're also not mistaken by the fact that, that when you love someone, you're there for them. They're not mistaken by that. There's a story told of two brothers who served in the First World War. And one of them was was severely injured. And he was out on the battlefield. And he was like in no man's land. and, And his brother saw him out there. So his brother, risking his own life, crawls out to him. And when he crawled out to him, he got to him. And the wounded brother looked him right in the eye and said, I knew you Would come. It's not wrong. To think that. You love someone. You're going to be there. And imagine this with me for just a minute. Allow your imagination to unfold here. If you were Lazarus. And you are on your deathbed. And Jesus walks into the door. Lazarus would say. Jesus. I knew you would come because you love me. But the reality is after Lazarus dies and he's in the tomb Jesus would say I waited because I love you. Why? Because the one thing that they were mistaken about, they were mistaken about the timing of Jesus, of how He does what He does, and when He does what He does. They were mistaken about the nature of how He would show His love. So many times we think that God's absence, or, or He's gone, And a lot of times we think that because something seems to be broken or we're uncomfortable. We often, we often equate, listen to me, we often equate God's love with comfort, ease, and a sense that things are together. But God does not equate love that way. God does not equate his love or his presence when things are comfortable easy, or they seem to be together. God equates love with trust. With trust. Do you trust me? When all your expectations are failing, do you trust me? That's where the rubber meets the road. We can be mistaken about his timing. We can be mistaken about how he shows his love. We can be mistaken about how he is ultimately glorified in any situation and how his people are blessed. They perhaps didn't think about that. But Jesus knew. Have you ever been late to someone's funeral? A few years ago, I was mowing my yard and working out and had to go pick up some things, and I drove by a friend's house, some folks I knew. And there were all these cars there in the driveway. In fact, this happened last week in my neighborhood. And I didn't know why all the cars were there. And I saw one of the young men come out of the house, and I, and I said, hey, buddy, I said, what's going on? he said, Grandma died. I was like, What? He said, yeah, the funeral was this afternoon. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I missed it. And he said, yeah, uh, my aunt was wondering where you were. And I said, I'm sorry. I just didn't know. And he said, well, she said, you're you're a preacher. You should know. I mean, I I run in the house, I I get dressed and cleaned up and I I be, you know, I head over there as quick as I can. But it was such a sickening feeling to walk into that home and just to say, I'm so sorry. I'm so late. But this is not what is happening here. Jesus was intentionally On time. Because so many times we do not understand the nature of how he shows his love. The nature of his timing. And the nature of how God is glorified and we are blessed in any situation or circumstance. They got the nail on the head that Jesus' presence was needed. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it as humbly. As I can say to our world and our culture today, if we look for any answer that, that is not including the presence and the person of Jesus, we are seeking wrong answers. If we are seeking any answer, that does not embrace the person and the presence of Jesus, we're barking up the wrong tree. But please know, he's not the preacher that's supposed to somehow mysteriously know everything. He's the Son of God who does know everything. And for what God wanted to do, His timing was perfect. Oh, please understand. Verse 6 flows out of verse 5. It is not in spite of verse 5. It is in light of verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, he stayed two days longer. So here's where I want to be. Just wherever he is. That's where I want to be because I would run ahead or I would overthink and overanalyze or stay behind I would misstep and I have misstepped so many times in my life but I want to be just right where he is and it might not look right It might not look on time. It might not be what somebody else might expect. But when he shows up. And he does that which only he can do. Then there's no mistaken. About his glory. And his love. And his power. Because he takes broken things. Things that are dead. And he brings them Back to life, and he specializes in those sicknesses. So don't forget. We often equate God's love when there's ease, comfort, and many times we think there's peace there. God equates love with trust. And there can be peace when there's great discomfort and great pain. So maybe today you might need to reach out to someone I'm going to invite these folks for with me to just to stand with us this morning let's just bow our heads and let's just give to him these things that are on our hearts and our minds today if you're at home and you're watching or you're traveling today you need a prayer counselor numbers are going to pop up and these folks are available to you to pray with you uh, to pray for you Uh, we here, the few of us who are in this auditorium we're going to be praying we're praying for ourselves we're praying for our world our culture situations at hand and we're praying for you Uh, we're praying for you as well Thank you for being with us today. Cody's going to um, have a song response. He's going to pray us out. And again, just so glad you were with us today. And in The weeks to come, we'll come back to John chapter 11. And we'll continue to see how God leads us in embracing this final sign that he is who he said he is. God bless you for being with us this morning. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.